We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like lying about your fake boobs, <laughs> feeling, <laughs> feeling like the throwaway friend and dating in the closet. Mm. Yeah. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners. We are just two English majors who are making things up as we yes. go along. Yes. And we, not only are we not professionals, but we don't see ourselves as like a substitute for therapy or other Mental health. That's a good thing to say. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I actually just recently added it to our website. (laughs) I swear to God, on the submission page, it was just like, just so you know, (laughs) that's not our goal, and we don't we don't endorse you using us as therapy. Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, although, however, I I do appreciate the reviews that say like when I didn't have the resources or the fiscal stability to get therapy, JBU was a great resource to turn to, and that I will uplift until my last dying breath. Um, <laughs> but more importantly, Sam and I are not professionals. We are we are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit. And also feel free to seek out other opinions and other resources from people who know more than we do. We are please just- do. Don't feel free. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> we are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing and terrifying experience that is love and the human experience, I'll add today. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so before jumping into this week's check-in topic, which is hysterical, by the way, um, <laughs> I just wanted to um, shout out really quickly that we have some awesome new things in the Just Breakup world, either either out now or, or coming out sometime this week if you're listening currently. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we have a new logo with our fancy faces on it. 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've updated our website. Um, we've got some new content coming to social media on Twitter, Instagram, and begrudgingly TikTok. Our Facebook private group is blowing up right now. There are like over 2,000 members. And holy shit. Yeah. And from what I can tell, like from the people who post and, and the people who comment about the group, it's a really supportive, loving, nurturing, accepting environment for folks to hop on, you know, off air, off the mic and get advice from peers who also listen to Just Breakup. So um, there's just a lot of cool new things coming to the Just Breakup world. So if you're not already following us on all of those things or if you haven't already checked out our website, Please do that. It's just breakuppod.com. Um, yeah. That's Looks all. great. Sierra put a lot of time and energy into it. So just like go check it out because it's, it's very pretty. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So let's jump into the check-in topic. The check-in topic comes from a letter writer. And I'm just going to read the letter because it's adorable and like two sentences long. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And it's from Genuinely Curious whose pronouns are they, them, writing from y'all's hometown. And the question is, genuinely curious, and maybe a check-in topic, what do y'all think of reusing nudes to send to your cutie? Like, if I already sent them to other cuties, but honestly, they look hot, why would I not reuse them? Let me know what you think. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Sam, reusing nudes. Reuse Reduce, recycle, except for don't reduce because you're you're banging. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm 100% on board with this. It can take a lot of work to take a picture that's a sexy picture. (laughs) So, like, time is limited. Yeah. And I don't know, y'all. If you have seen our new photos on social media or on our new logo, (laughs) Sam's out there looking like Harry fucking Styles (laughs) in his beautiful pink pants. Yeah, it sure, didn't pants look that hard to make a good photo is all I'm saying. <laughs> no, do you remember how difficult that photo shoot was? <laughs> I didn't want to tell joking? them. Are you joking? There's a way for you to gracefully bow out of this. I like gave you an out. <laughs> no, it was not easy. Which Sam is, was deeply uncomfortable is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, all I was which trying reinforces to not say the point. what I'm saying. <laughs> which reinforces the point that like they take work. And, yes. and if you look good, like... Who who cares? <laughs> like honestly, Sierra cares. Sierra well, is gonna okay. have some feelings about this, <laughs> which is like why you listen to this podcast because Sierra and I have very different attachments to things. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say this is why you have listened to the podcast because Sierra has feelings. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, but no. Hear hear me out. So I actually I picked out this ch- check in topic. Um. Not because I think it's particularly profound. I mean, it is adorable, but because it it sparked in me like a deeper thing that I wanted to examine. And um, like, I am totally fine with reusing my nudes. Like, what cute, sexy photos? Like, whatever. Maybe I look mm-hmm. so banging in that photo. Whatever. Um, it's it's something that I haven't super overthought in the past. However, if somebody sent me a nude and then they and I and I somehow found out that it, they, there was like a timestamp or something or there was like a to and from notice and I was not the intended person or something, <laughs> I would something in me would feel insecure with that. And what I wanted to dig deeper into is like that is not a problem with reusing 
nudes. It's a wound in me that I don't necessarily mm. ideologically align with. Like sure. we we have bodies. Our bodies are constantly put in new position, literally sexually, but yes. <laughs> put in <laughs> new relationships or new experiences. And our body is literally reused in those scenarios. Like we never have a, I think what I wanted to like talk about in this very playful, cute check-in topic is the idea of like, the ingrained uh, education we had about the uh, the ideas of purity. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I am totally for people um, if you want to, uh, if you want to practice abstinence, if you don't, if you're asexual, if you want to wait for, I don't know, marriage or whatever it is you're choosing, like I, everybody's body is their, is their, you know, governing thing. But mm-hmm. for me, what I wanted to like examine within myself, the wound in me that would make me insecure about somebody else's like reused nudes is the idea that I that our partners should come to us like unscathed or untainted by other other people's other people, period. And that they should only what lust for us or they should only that they shouldn't have any baggage or history. Like there's a weird puritanical thing there that I ideologically on paper, I, I loathe. I don't, and I don't relate to, like, I don't want my partner to not have life experiences before mm-hmm. me. I don't want them to be in like a cocoon waiting for me. And then also there's this insecure part of me that is challenged by their attention, affection, sexuality experience with others. And maybe mm-hmm. that's just because I'm like an insecure troll, but I just wanted to bring it to <laughs> the podcast's table. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's not that you're an insecure troll. I think that <laughs> it is definitely, um, I think that it's definitely like something that we are taught about the singular focus of our affection. Like yeah. people should like only want to send things to us and like, if they've sent it to someone else, it somehow like belittles it. It makes and it tainted. Like, less... And I, I think about the phrase yeah. like sloppy seconds. Y'all, yeah, we are sure. fucking like... all sloppy seconds. Like we are all <laughs> seconds. We're sloppy, to whatever we are. You know what yeah. I mean? Or, <laughs> like, or, I, I was going to actually drop the se- sloppy <laughs> and say like we're all, we've all been re experienced in one way or another. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of, like, the Jane the Virgin thing of, like, the flower and then, like, how many people have, like, touched your flower and then the flower is, like, Ugh. worth less because it's, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, totally. there's definitely, like, a purity thing there, um, which is, like, super deeply ingrained and, like, makes sense that that's, like, how we come at it. I think yeah. also, like, especially in this, like, digital age when we all have phones in our pockets and we all have yeah. access to each other all like the time, too. Yeah, and the are, like, way more prevalent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's not like a boudoir like, that you had to book with yeah. a photographer. <laughs> right. But this idea I think that we all have of like, we should have, we should also have instant access to people and their bodies in the way that we want them. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, like I don't feel necessarily sexy all the time or like, I don't necessarily want to hop in the bathroom and like take my clothes off and like take a, like, and also it's sort of like an expectation of us, I think, when we're mm. in early stages of relationships that it's like, ooh, send me a pic. And then you have to be like, okay, well, let me get myself gussied up then. Yeah. Like I've been like lying on bed, like eating potato chips and watching the West Wing. 
I'm not in like a state where I feel like I really want to show off like yeah. who I am and what I'm doing. And like this idea of like, we always need to be on and ready and always accessible too. And like, I feel like being able to resend nudes is a challenge to that to say like, well, I'm just going to send you this one from when I was sexually aroused, and mm-hmm. like ready to mm-hmm. do this thing. Right. Or totally. we could also say like, can we also just send pictures of ourselves and with our potato chips and our West Wing? <laughs> yeah. And can that also be sexy? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's absolutely. just, I think it just speaks to this like social media age of we have to have nudes in our repertoire because you never know when, it, when somebody's going to ask for it and like expect it to happen right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. That's why I like to have like professional naked pictures taken, like artistic ones. Because mm-hmm. then I'm just like, well, here, this is me like standing in the woods covered in glitter. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, right. So they like definitely know other people have seen it because it's like creative. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It might be a little yeah, too no, personal know- to be relatable. <laughs> I'm sure that there are people who are also going to be like, well, it's deceiving if you're saying that you're like taking the sexy picture and then you like send an old one. And it's like. Life is deception, friends. Like, we're, none of us are are being authentic to who we are in any given yes. moment. So, like, <laughs> And I want to clarify, too, the feelings that I expressed earlier. They're not my first feelings. Like, my first feelings is like, no, this is not a big deal. Um, it's like the wo- your wound feelings, you know, the, the things yeah. that, that come out when you're feeling most insecure or challenged. Or, more importantly, like the cultural, societal edification we get about sex and purity and desire. Mm, and mm-hmm. I think that obviously had an impact on me because I I have to work against that training. I have to work against that education to to connect to those authentic feelings of like uh, a nude is a nude is a nude. Yeah. Right. Right. So genuinely curious. I hope this at least uh, incited some conversations with you and your friend groups. <laughs> For sure. And or also, like, I am so your question. <laughs> seriously, I'm so open to other people's interpretation of this. Like, yeah. I, I feel like there's no this is like super simple on the surface, but also like very complicated once yes. you like start to get down into it. And so I appreciate I have, you asking us this because yeah. I am also genuinely curious what other people think about yeah. whether or not that's acceptable. I have to say, like, even though I'm OK with it, I probably like resent a nude like once or twice in my life. Um, I think I've reasoned lots of nudes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not counting the the tasteful artistic naked photos. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Uh, Which only, you know, like 10,000 people have seen or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> at least all of our friends at the brunch table. <laughs> all right. Let's get into this week's letters. Let's do it. Okay. So our first letter comes from Triple D's Triple the Regret, who is writing from... <laughs> Uh, Melanlanta at in Georgia, uh, and uh, her pronouns are she, her. Sam and Sierra, I can't express how grateful okay, I'm sorry, I wait, wait. am. Melanlanta, it's a pun. yeah, like melanin, like boobs. <laughs> got it, got it. Now I got it. <laughs> it's so funny how like all of Your these boobs. times, like only one of us gets it. Yeah, <laughs> and also I don't think about melons a lot, so. <laughs> I didn't get it until you said it out loud. I was like, that's not a place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're like bags of sand, right? That's, uh, that's what they feel yeah. like. Yeah. Hot, hot, <laughs> soft bags of sand. All right. 
All right. Triple D's writes, Sam and Sierra, I cannot express how grateful I am for you both. Your podcast got me through the hardest breakup of my life and has since guided me through the many challenges that life throws at us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let me preface this by saying I know I am in control of my own body and am responsible for my own decisions, especially now more than ever after years of head and heart work along with therapy. But long story short, I was in a very unhealthy, toxic relationship for almost six years on and off. Two years ago at the age of 28, he and I had just gotten back together after a three-month separation. I was riding that high of reunion, but for most of our relationship, he has made comments about my body being not his typical type. He preferred curvier girls. I was too thin in his eyes, but I've always been naturally slim and I lead a very active lifestyle. Now, far removed from the situation and stronger than ever, I see myself for who I am, which is a beautiful, fit beach babe. But at the time, I blamed myself for any issues in bed we had. We weren't having sex often and I felt as though it was my fault that he wasn't attracted to me. I was going to do anything to stay together and he often encouraged me to get a breast augmentation, so I did. I went from a naturally large B, small C, to triple D. He and I broke up less than six months later, and I couldn't be happier to finally be free of that relationship, but it taught me a lot. But I now live with the regret of this surgery, not so much because of him, but because I don't feel authentic to myself. Because of my physically demanding career coupled with my active lifestyle, they just don't match my body frame, and I am almost embarrassed by the size. I've hidden the surgery for almost from almost everyone in my life except for my mom, who doesn't even know the full story behind them. I've never necessarily lied, but I've always dressed modestly and never shown them off. I finally opened up to my best friend about them, and she even admitted she didn't know, so I'm comforted to know that it isn't as obvious as it might feel in my head. But that doesn't stop the thoughts. Don't get me wrong, I don't hate the way I look. I just wish I felt more natural and authentic in my own body and that I wasn't always keeping this big secret or feel like I had to open up old relationship wounds when or if I decided to tell anyone that I had plastic surgery. Fast forward to this past January, I met this great guy. We've been dating for almost seven months and I am so happy. We have incredible chemistry, similar interests, and I love his friends and family. Things are going wonderfully, but I've never told him my secret. He brought it up one time when we were out drinking. He never directly asked me if my breasts were real, but a couple months in, he said something along the lines of, your boobs are so perky and perfect, and your older photos, you looked a lot smaller, so I kind of wondered if they were real. I never lied to him, but I invaded the question by explaining that as a high school athlete, specifically a distance runner, I was always thin and tiny and didn't bloom until much later, which was actually very true. But since then, he has made minor comments here and there about how my beautiful, my natural body is and how lucky he is to have a girl with it all. He has also made a few comments when we've seen women at the pool or beach with obvious fake breasts. They've never been rude or malicious comments, but almost more of a proud of his girl type comment, if that makes sense. Needless to say, as this goes on, I'm only growing more nervous to tell him because one, I'm not ready to face this head on. Two, I'm scared that he will feel like I've lied to him. Three, I know he'd be attracted to me with or without the fake breasts, but will he be less attracted after knowing I wasn't truthful? Ultimately, I feel better knowing my full truth, but I don't feel ready to. Another surgery to reduce them is not financially possible right now, not to mention I wouldn't be able to hide a surgery from him as close as we've gotten to each other. Do I owe him the truth? Do I owe it to anyone? Is it anyone's business? Am I an awful person for pretending they are real? I can't help but think of a future with him, marriage, having children, breastfeeding, medical history questions at doctor's appointments, etc. But am I getting ahead of myself? He and I both speak to therapists, yay for my man taking care of his own emotional well-being and being so proud of it. 
So I've considered the possibility of opening up to him with a therapist present. Any and all advice is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Love you both and this JBU family. Oh, Triple D, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was particularly drawn to it um, because of a, a, a lived experience that I have that reminded me of it. Um, so I have several tattoos. Or I, whatever. I, I have many tattoos on my body and I have... <laughs> I, I hate even talking about this. I fucking hate talking about it. I have a tattoo on my body somewhere that I just like never pictured getting a tattoo there. It's I'm, I'm making this sound way more scandalous than it is. Okay. I have yeah. a tattoo on my shoulder, on my, the back of my shoulder. And I got it at a time of my life in which I was really not unstable, but like really grasping for something, really grasp, really needing something else to stabilize me or define me. And I was like seeing this guy, like sort of, but like on the DL. And I was just trying to be, I was trying to be something. I don't know. I was like doing everything that I could to not like deal with myself or my problems or my relationship problems or whatever. And so at that time I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo for my birthday. And he was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, it is. (laughs) Even though I had like Uh multiple tattoos already. And I was a fucking full ass grown adult, like in my late 20s or something like that. And I, but I rushed it and I like didn't pick out a tattoo that I loved and, or that Mm. I was like excited about it. I got tattooed by somebody who was an apprentice. Um, so they were cheaper, but it's like a poor quality tattoo. And I, I wasn't like touch, I wasn't like connecting with my authentic self. And so I got it in a place that like, I just, I like, don't, I don't like tattoos there, at least on me. And so now I have this, the reason why I'm telling this weird story and equating it to this letter is that like, I have this lifelong thing on me that not only do I not like, but it reminds me of me like failing myself on an authenticity mm. level for the approval of other people. <laughs> like talk about a literal scar <laughs> yeah. that I have to live with. And part of me over the years has sort of started to like accept it as that is that like, I don't even like to talk about it. I don't like showing it to people, even though it's on like one of the most visible parts of my body. And it's now like a symbol to me about like how I can lose myself in, in, in whatever in other people or mm-hmm. in the quest to define myself by other people's approval. Um, and so I just wanted to like share that embarrassing story or I don't know, painful story or I don't know, whatever it is <laughs> to, to say to you, double D that like, I, I want to just nod to that choice that you made and nod to any residual shame or frustration with yourself or pain that you feel about that choice that you made that might, that was made when you were at maybe a less stable time in your life. And you were, you were reaching out for stability elsewhere. Like I don't want to validate those like inner, the inner voices that that we have that like tell us that we are like unstable assholes. But I just want to say, man, I kind of know how harsh you're, inner critic can be about these types of things at times. And um, 
I, you're not stupid or shameful or, or crazy for like doing something like this. We, we all lean on external forces when we're struggling and we don't know yet how powerful we are or how, how mm. reliably we are for our own selves. And some of us, like you and I, have these like permanent bodily scars to remind us of how we can betray ourselves, you know? Mm. That all being said, that those reminders aren't, are at least for me, I have, I have healed enough to say that reminder is no longer a reason for me to like be cruel to myself or beat myself up, but it is a reminder nonetheless. Yeah, no, that's, that's super real. And I think what's interesting about your letter is that, you know, in this previous relationship with this guy who encouraged you to get this augmentation, right, you, you got these, these new boobs and you're feeling sort of a regret about it because you were not being authentic to who you were and what you wanted and not being sort of true in this relationship, not being like your full self. Um, and that's sort of happening again too, right? In the situation where this guy apparently, or at least from what you've inferred from some of the things that he said, like wants a, a quote unquote natural woman, right? Let's, let's put the biggest quotes around that. It's <laughs> like, mm, okay. Um, and so you're just, you're sort of like trying to shoehorn yourself into that reality that of what you think he wants, even though that's not you. Like it is not you. You might've regretted this situation. You might have um, not done it. If you had gone back, if you could go back, you might not have done it in the same way that you did it. But you are a person who has had a breast augmentation. Like that is who you are. Yeah. And just like Sierra bringing that tattoo to her whenever she's like intimate with another person who's like seeing that aspect of I her. I literally have to be like, this is a tattoo I hate. <laughs> and I hate yeah. myself because of it. <laughs> I don't. Sorry. But I, but like you are, you are actively sort of denying your, a part of yourself again in this relationship. And there's, which I say to say, there's nothing to be ashamed of, of the fact that you got this breast augmentation, even right. though you don't necessarily want it. This is a, this is a thing I think that happens to a lot of people who have breasts. <laughs> like, I think that it is <laughs> yeah, totally. pretty, I mean, I've seen a lot of housewives, like a lot of housewives, and you would not believe how many of them have breast augmentations because they, their husband wants them and then they get divorced and then they immediately get them taken out. So like this is like it is not a, an uncommon thing to happen, and so there's no need to be ashamed of it or hide this part of yourself. Um, and you want to be in relationship with somebody who is going to see the full you and love you for that full yeah. you, right? Yeah. You don't want to be with a person who thinks that you're somebody different than who you are. Like that's remember the purpose of love is not to trick our partners into wanting to be with us, right? The purpose of love is to find someone who authentically wants to, to see us, know us deeply, love us deeply and be with us who we are in this moment, not the thing that they've created for us in our head. Right. So I would encourage you to, 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 to recognize the fact that telling this person about who you are is an important thing for you to do. And if this person doesn't respond well to you, that's on them and not, not necessarily on you. Yeah. I don't think this person necessarily, like, like this person doesn't not want you. This person doesn't know you fully yet. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that it is, Hey, in terms of like bodily independence and, and privacy, there's no right or wrong answer about being transparent about 
augmentations or surgeries or histories or whatever. Um, But I think as Sam inferred, like you should tell him because you deserve to be known because Mm -hmm. you are a whole and magical person. And this is a part of your story. Just like my fucking tattoo is a part of my story as much as I don't like it. And um, we all do things like Sam said, like breast augmentations in relationships are common. I, we all take on things in relationships, whether it's boobs or tattoos or you move somewhere that isn't where you don't want to move or you start you start you're vegan mm-hmm. because your partner wants to be vegan or, you know, we all take on things and become things in and out of relationships. So forgive yourself for that. First of all, yes, this was a a big bodily move, uh, just like my stupid tattoo. Um, but we did something that everyone does in a relationship. We just did it on a different scale or a different level or, or to our bodies, whereas other people do it to their jobs or to their friend groups or whatever. Or to their like emotional well-being. Exactly. <laughs> and I want to be clear. I, I, I want to be clear. I agree with Sam that you should tell him, but you don't owe him this transparency. You right. owe yourself the freedom and liberation of being known and loved wholly for who you are. You yes. deserve to be known. I don't I I understand your desire to to have a therapist present, but this is not something um you're not a bad person. You're not a bad person for doing mm. this. You're not a bad person yeah. for having a having complicated feelings about telling your partner this, having fear that he might leave or change his mind or something like that. That is that is our inner ch- child. That is, that is our inner wound. It, you're you're trying to protect yourself, and you were taught some point at some point in life that it was better and safer, and 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 guarant- love was more guaranteed if you became what other people needed you to be in order to be loved. You were taught that at some mm. point, and that's that's when you and I learned at some point in our life that it was better to lie or morph ourselves into whatever the person needed as an act of love, as an act of service to them, and and also as a way to secure love in return. But it is, in the long run, it is better to be known wholly and loved wholly for who you are authentically um, than to, you know, metamorphosize ourselves into what they need us to be. Your boyfriend's, and let me just, like, put a bet into it. Your boyfriend might, like, his feelings might be hurt that you didn't disclose this with you, but you're not hurting him as a person. Like you're not, you're not being a cruel and hurtful person. You're being a complicated mm-hmm. person, just like everybody else. And For sure. if I was a betting p- person, I would say, this is not going to end your relationship. This is going to mm. deepen the intimacy because he's going to know you more. Mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't, that is, obviously just a guess. I don't know what's going to go on, but like, I don't want to feed the fear in you um, because that fear is hand in hand with the shame that like, that you're something that could be, that could go so catastrophically wrong that you have to hide yourself. And I, I mm-hmm. just, I want to, I want to take the wind out of those sails. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you ask the question of, is this anyone's business? And the answer is no, it's not anyone's business. And there's nothing to be ashamed of, right? And it is part of who you are. 
Right. And so it's not anybody's business. Like nobody on the street needs to ask you about this. Like you didn't need to disclose this. You don't need to disclose this to your boss, right? Or people around you. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. So you can disclose that as well, right? And so I want you to be making the decision whether or not to disclose this information based on whether or not it serves you well and not about the shame that you might feel about this thing that you did. Or the right? fear like, I don't want, that I don't he want, won't love yeah. you, you know? Right. Or even the other people in your life, right? Only your mom and your best friend know, right? So there are other people that you can tell about this because there's nothing to be ashamed of. This type of surgery is very common and the reasons for doing it are very common. So it's not it's not like there's some sort of horrible mark on your soul. So I I agree that like you don't have to tell anyone if you don't want to tell anyone. And you can tell anyone that you want to because there's nothing to be yeah. ashamed of. There is this is part of you and you are allowed to share it with whomever you feel is going to honor and and see and trust that. And if you are with people who don't honor and see and trust that, then you know something about them, not something about you, right? They, right. You know more about their own baggage and their own issues around this thing and not anything about you because you haven't changed from one moment to the next. You have just disclosed a deeper part of yourself to the, the people around you. Right. And I'm going to send you off with a little bit of a script because I know these conversations can feel impassable. You know, they can just feel so hard to even tackle. Um, You can, like, make time for it. Make the space for it. It doesn't have to be perfect. But you don't want to have time to be alone with your partner and say, "Um, my love, I have something I want to talk to you about. And it's hard for me to talk about it because I feel embarrassed and shameful. And I'm afraid that um, you're going to feel like I kept something from you. But... uh, I need you to know, I want you to know that I had a breast augmentation. Um, I got it under stressful circumstances involving a really toxic ex-boyfriend. And I don't feel like they are wholly authentic to me. But I didn't know how to tell you that. And I didn't want to bring up all the old baggage. And I didn't want to seem like X, Y, and Z. And then you can tell them authentically why you didn't tell them. And then you can say from your heart, I'm sorry I withheld this from you. Um, I'm sorry if you feel like I lied to you. I, I needed to tell you now because I'm really loving our relationship. I want to see where this goes and I want you to know me wholly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also this is something that you can talk to your therapist about too. Yes. Right. I'm, I'm so appreciative that both of you, yeah, you and he are in, in therapy, um, separately. And I think this is something that you can talk to your therapist about, about some of these feelings of shame or some of these feelings of, of needing to hide yourself or, or try and be somebody that you're not in these relationships. Um, and, and I think that really getting, disclosing this and talking about this is going to help you get to a new point in your, in your work with your therapist. So I would encourage you to be as honest as possible with them about what you're going through and, and all of the different emotions and thoughts that are, that this situation are bringing up in you. Absolutely. We love you, Double D's. We hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Our next letter is coming to us from Junibee Got No Friends whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing to us from California, USA. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First off, thank you for all your advice and the effort you put into the show. You are both encouraging me to take the steps necessary to do the head and heart work I know I need to do. My letter isn't about a relationship, 
problem, but a friendship problem. I've never had many friends throughout my life and usually stick to two or three close friendships over numerous, quote, surface level friendships. I've been best friends with, let's call her Callie, since high school, about eight years. We've had our fights and stopped being friends a few times, but we've always found a way back to each other. We have such a deep connection as friends, and we truly have felt like we were each other's friend soulmate. We've helped one another through the most difficult times of our lives, and for that, I'll always be extremely grateful. However, we've sort of fell apart during the pandemic, and now we're in a weird place. I tried to set up some time to hang out with Callie and another mutual best friend of ours, but each time I don't get a response until the last minute saying they're busy. I started to feel ignored and brushed off and that I was putting more effort into the friendship than they were and not getting anything reciprocated back to me. About a month ago, I fell into a depression while also trying to apartment hunt and move out of my parents' house to be closer to the office as my company resumes in-person work. During this time, I was pretty withdrawn from my friends and all of my time was either working or hardcore apartment hunting. It was very lonely and I felt like no one could relate to what I was going through. After not being active in the group chat with Callie and the mutual best friend of ours for two weeks, Callie reached out to check in on me. I thought that was nice and let her know I had just been busy with apartment stuff as well as being depressed. And I let her know that I was a bit irritated with them both, that I had tried to set up a time for us to hang out um, about two weeks ago prior, prior, but felt ignored. She was understanding and said she didn't know that I was feeling that way and that she was wasn't trying to brush me off. In my depressed state, I didn't have the energy to respond, so I left it unanswered. Callie then texted me two days later to let me know she couldn't get drinks with me on my birthday, something I'd planned weeks prior because her parents were in Vegas and her brother was uh, going over to a girl's house, so she had to watch their dogs. I was pretty crushed about this because we had made these plans a few weeks before my birthday, and I felt like if she truly wanted to attend, she could have asked her brother to have the girl come over to their house or only came out for drinks for a few hours as to not leave the dogs alone too long. I still didn't have the energy to say what I really wanted to, so I just said, okay, thanks for letting me know. She responded and asked if I was still upset about anything. I finally wrote back saying I was upset about some things, but that I was struggling mentally and super busy with apartment hunting and I didn't have the energy to address it. She agreed to give me space and offered support. Side note, on the day of my actual birthday, all she did was text me happy birthday, even though on her birthday a few weeks ago, I stayed up until midnight to text her right at 12 a.m. happy birthday and I got her a really heartfelt gift, which I wasn't able to give her until later. I'll address that later in the story and posted about her on my Instagram story. I know these are all trivial little things, but to me, they show effort. And I felt it was the least she could do, given she had canceled plans that I had made on my birthday. Anyway, after I had sorted out the apartment stuff and was feeling better mentally about a week and a half after our last text interaction, I reached out to her and thanked her for the space and explained that I had felt brushed off and that my efforts in the relationship weren't being reciprocated. It took her a whole three weeks to respond to my text. I understand that life can get in the way and things can get busy, but to ignore my text message for a whole three weeks was very hurtful to me, especially coming from someone I consider my best friend. To me, it was not best friend behavior. During this time I was getting sorted to move, I sent her a birthday gift in the mail despite living 20 minutes away from her because I needed to get that off my plate and I had no idea if or when she would respond or if we would be able to set up time for me to give her the gift. Side note, she did not give me anything for my birthday, which again, if you've been best friends with someone for eight years, wouldn't you give them a gift? 
She finally responded saying she was on vacation and was thinking about how to respond during the three weeks. In her response, she said she understood my points of view, but never really touched on the fact that I don't feel reciprocated effort in her friendship. She then texted me two days later saying she got the gift and that she was confused and sad about what had happened and that she hoped we would still be able to see each other before I moved. She also said she felt like there was an unwarranted tension between us because during this time I had left the group chats to get space and she noticed that. She said she understood if I was stepping away from this friendship during this next phase of my life. The thing is, I made the effort and was not feeling reciprocated in that effort, so I made the decision to stop putting effort in, and now she's saying that I'm stepping away, even though she didn't respond to my text for three weeks or get me a birthday gift or anything that I think best friends do. This is all made even more frustrating because I have seen her consciously make the time and put effort for people she meets on dating apps who she barely knows. But I'm supposed to be her best friend, and she isn't putting in the effort to reach out in a timely manner or to hang out. After her last text, I responded saying that I just needed to send her the gift in the mail to check it off my to-do list, and that I wasn't sure if I would hear from her if I ever was going to, and that I was confused because during all the time she was responding to messages in the group chat, but not separately to me. I sent this text last week, and it has been silent since. In between this time, I sent a message to Callie and to our mutual best friend saying that I'm moving and would like to see them, and I haven't gotten a response to that either. I'm really starting to think that they don't want to be friends with me any longer, and if that's the case, I just wish they would tell me instead of ignoring me. This has all been really hard because they are my only two real friends, and without them, I don't have anyone else except my boyfriend. It's been really triggering because I've been in a situation before in college where I grew extremely close to two people in a short time and then they pushed me out of the friend group and I had no friends the remainder of my time in college. Why can't I keep friends around? Is it because I'm a bad friend or a bad person? I feel so often that I'm the throwaway friend even though I care so deeply and do the most for my friends because I've always been so desperately wanting the type of friends that will always answer when I call or throw me birthday parties or are always willing to help no matter what. Maybe I'm asking for or expecting too much. I don't know what to do. Do I send a text to the group chat expressing how I feel or do I just let it go and fade away? Any help from this problem would be much appreciated from you both. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you, Junie B, for writing in. And this, um, this sounds like a really frustrating and painful situation for you to feel like you're putting in all of this effort and um, really trying to make these friendships work and tell people how you're feeling um, and feel like that's not being reciprocated or that, yeah. that that your friends aren't showing up for you. Like that's a, that's a really challenging place to be. So I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. And I, the older I get, the more I realize that one of the deepest forms of loneliness is one of friendship, of feeling mm. maybe... Like jealous feels like too much of a, I don't know, surface level feeling, but like feeling, feeling desirous of other people's intimacy and their friend circles and um, the, 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 some, the seemingly ease at which they maintain their friendships. Um, I have grown sensitive over the years. I feel like having friends used to be <laughs> a lot easier um, mm. or maybe that's just because I was a different, more. I don't know, less picky person, but I just wanted to nod to that, (laughs) that like, um, I feel for you because it can be really lonely to have, um, few core friends, 
Um, and especially when those core friendships are stressed or not fulfilling um, or to, as though it feels like friendships come easier to others, which is sounds like it's a story that you've mm. told yourself about your life um, or ex an experience that you've had. So that's like so painful. And I think in this letter, there's, it's a, it's another really difficult, painful situation, particularly because there's a lot of intersecting narratives going on here. This is a perfect example for multiple things can be true at the same time. Um, mm. And that sort of intersection of so many truths, especially when some of them are ours and some of them aren't ours, uh, yep. it's like perfect breeding ground for a ton of pain and conflict and confusion. Um so yeah, this is like a really hard situation and I'm sorry you're going through it and dealing with what sounds like some other mental health stresses, moving, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, I would say that some of the the things that are going on here feel really familiar to me in terms of the relationships that I've had with friends where I've had to, um, where there have been sort of mismatches in um maybe levels of effort or expectations of each or other love languages like friendships can mm -hmm. have love languages right where where those expectations or those like those abilities to sort of communicate about what we actually need in relationships can can become really um frayed or really really challenging mm -hmm. and so you know i think what what my advice to you in this moment junie is to just is to take a step back and sort of take a, a deep breath when when thinking about these two relationships. Um, because there is a lot here where I think that Callie is definitely dropping the ball. And there's a lot here where it just feels to me like there's just a big level of miscommunication or sort of missing each other. Um, because I do think, you know, from what you're saying, that that Callie has been reaching out in some ways and and sort of has been trying. And it might be that she isn't equipped to be able to sort of meet you in the places where you are asking to be met. And that's not that you're too much or you're asking for too much. It's just that sometimes our levels of our ability to give or give in particular ways might be mismatched. It might be that she is sort of Focusing on those friendships that that might be sort of skating along or might be easier to to handle, and you might be really trying to focus on building those deep relationships and sort of um, focusing on some of those things. And at the same time, I also want to gently remind you or gently tell you something that I had to learn for myself in my own relationships with my friends, where I've had these sort of moments of like, oh, I'm so mad at this person and. And they don't even know, like we're fighting right. and they don't even know, right? Um, of that I had to realize that I had to stop expecting my friends to reciprocate everything that I do and the way that I do it, right? Like friendships are give and takes and our friends have different mm -hmm. ways of responding to each other and supporting each other. And so when I, you know, give somebody a birthday gift, I can't expect them to give me one back in response, right? Like I can't that's just not the way that the world works. Like it, yeah. it really isn't. And so I, I had to challenge myself to question the ulterior motives behind some of the things that I was doing that were supposedly acts of kindness for people or sort of things that you're supposed to do as a friend that I was then doing with the expectation that they had to do it back to me or they had to do something bigger than what I did or something better than what I did. And 
what that did was set me up for failure. Like, honestly, that's, yeah, that's the that's reality real. is like, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily that I had dumb expectations of people or it wasn't necessarily that I was like a bad person or being a bad friend. It's just that I was literally setting myself up for failure and I was attempting to heal something inside of me by instead of asking for what I needed, just like pushing all of this energy towards people and the hope that they would see it and give it back to me. Yeah. Right. Which is like, didn't work. <laughs> it didn't. It just didn't work. I'm glad you shared that. And also thank you. Cause that's like pretty vulnerable to admit, um, especially mm-hmm. in the context of this letter too. And yeah. um, Junie know that like we, it's just a perfect example. There's so many different truths happening in this letter. Um, but Sam's right to, to say, well, I got a birthday present for them, so they should get a birthday present for me, is to view love as inherently transactional. Um, mm. And I don't fault you for that. We're actually taught that it is, right? Right. Um, but that's an opposition of reality. Unconditional, authentic love is to do something because you love them. It's it's to do something because you found this gift for them and you you know they're going to love it, Right. It's not to send it out into the world waiting for the response. And I'm not dragging you for this because I think this is one of the core human misconceptions, that one of the core Mm -hmm. things that we struggle with as humans, especially, you know, if you think about breakups, like we want things to make sense. I loved this person well, and then they left me. How dare they, you know? Um, it's, It's the thing that we struggle with most, but... You know, one of the most healing things that I've gotten from just breakup is, again, remembering that everyone is functioning in a different reality through a different lens of understanding than I am. They have a different love language. They have a different childhood wound. They have different personality types. They have different communication styles. For example, Sam and I, how Sam, how long have we been friends? 13 years at this point? It was 10 years when we started the podcast. (laughs) Sam and I don't buy each other birthday gifts. Gift giving is not my love language. Right. You know what, though? I thought I buy Spencer birthday gifts. What? <laughs> but Sam doesn't. Gifts aren't Sam's thing. No. Does that make you jealous? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. But like the and the lizard brain in me is yes, like, what? Spencer gets gifts. Moon. But I then, yeah, like then the, well, the part of me that's like. Let me let me diffuse gifts. that <laughs> jealousy. Sierra, sh- yeah. Let me diffuse that jealousy because I got Spencer a sponsor a possum thing from the World Animal Organization. Okay, never mind. I don't. <laughs> Thank you for not. This is this is reminding me why I hate gifts. So well, it's <laughs> I'm more like I have bought you gifts in the past, but I don't. I don't expect you to get me a gift in, in t- return. But Junie, I'm not shaming you for the logic of like we bought I buy you gifts. So you like that makes yep. sense. We're we are raised in a transactional society, right? But that doesn't mirror actual reality. And if we expect it to all the time, that's what Sam said. That's what he means when he said it set him up for failure, right? Because mm-hmm. if we ex- expect transactional love, we will never have it returned to us fully on our own terms, right? You're never going to get love in the exact way that you need it, right? <laughs> like there's yes. always going to be a translation that happens there. Yes. And so, yeah, you can give all this love in the way that you would want to have it received back. 
Yeah. But that doesn't mean that people are equipped or even wanting to sort of give it back in the exact same way. Exactly. And this is not sh- this is not to shame you or to make you feel bad about wanting this. In fact, I want to ha- the biggest thing I want to do in this letter is encourage you to take up space and say what you mean when you mean it. And I know yes. there are many times in your letter that you talked about not having the emotional, physical energy due to mental health issues, to not articulate things to your friends, but mm-hmm. you're doing yourself and your friendship a disservice if you're not transparent when you mean it. And, I, and I'm talking like no, you know, passive texts about like wanting to hang out you know, not avoiding hard conversations. It's about leaning into the intimacy of asking for what you need. Um, Mm. Because I, I agree with Sam. There are, there are serious times in here in which Callie doesn't seem to reciprocate an average acceptable effort (laughs) that you put into a friendship, right? Like three weeks, Callie, really? And also a long time. (laughs) I want you to have accountability to your own communication. There were times in which you, you might have responded, but you didn't respond, right? You might have responded via text message, but you didn't engage. And mm-hmm. this is not a blame thing. I'm I'm not saying that to be like, well, it's your fault or it's Callie's fault or what it's it's neither. We're just looking back at a tangle of humanness and trying yep. to learn from it, right? And something that yep. I can easily see is that there were times in which Callie reached out and said, are you still upset? And it's, remember, this, there's a difference. I'm going to quote my dear friend, Sam Blackwell. There is a difference between niceness and kindness, right? Mm-hmm. You, you might have thought that the nice thing to say was, well, I'm okay. I just didn't want to deal with things right now. Or mm-hmm. being vague about your feelings or not mentioning that you were frustrated with your friend. But the kind thing to do for yourself And for your friendship is to be transparent and see, give your friend the opportunity to meet you at that authentic space. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's important to remember too, in this, in situations like these, that it's very rare that there is a victim and a, and a villain in these types of stories, right? It's very rare that one person plays one role all the time. And so what, in these types of situations, what I have to remind myself or challenge myself to do when I'm feeling especially like the victim in this sort of, these people aren't loving me in the right way. They don't want to be friends with me. Like nobody wants to be friends with me. I, everyone hates it. Everyone secretly hates me, which is like my secret worst fear yeah. in the whole wide world. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> is to remind myself too that I am an actor with choices in my relationships with people and that the ways that I respond to and participate in my relationships have consequences that don't fit with I'm if I'm just a helpless victim. Mm-hmm. And so in situations like that, when a friend is like, when I'm really bummed that a friend doesn't want to hang out with me or cancels at the last minute, instead of sort of be saying, oh, I'm a victim here, I this is all outside of my control, I have no recourse and I'm so upset, right? Which are all legitimate and understandable things to be feeling. So I'm not trying to like throw you under the bus, but the tools that I use to help get me out of that place that isn't serving me really well yeah. is to remind myself that I have choices in this position. 
And so instead of not talking to them for two weeks and then saying, oh, I'm so upset and here's all the reasons why. And they're like, whoa, I didn't know this. I can do things like say, hey, I'm super bummed that we didn't get to hang out because I really miss you both and I really want to see you. Can we find a time that's going to work for us? Because I, it's really important to me that we get together, right? And obviously, that might not work. Yeah. They might just be bad friends. <laughs> like yeah. That might be the long and short of it. They might just be people who are not very good at being friends with people. And only by sort of contributing and by sort of saying what you feel and saying what you need and asking for those things, can you make that, that an actual assessment? Because what I get from your letter, and trust me, I see myself so much in this, yeah. is writing a lot of stories about what people are thinking about me and how they are treating me. Right. They secretly all hate me. They secretly don't want to be friends with me. They secretly think I'm too much and that they they can't handle me. They think I'm being needy. They don't like me as much as I like them. Right. Like these are these are worn stories in my head. Right. Yes. Like the wagon wheels are falling into those ruts <laughs> and they are just going down that track. And we have to find ways to disrupt those thoughts because that is probably not what's happening here. Right. That is probably not the truth that they all secretly hate you or they all secretly don't want to be friends with you. And so how can you assuage those fears by being an active participant in this and telling them how you're really feeling when you're feeling it? And in a way that like doesn't just create these gaps of communication between you all where these types of stories can just continue to fester and grow. Yeah. Yeah. We know this is hard. We know this is like the clunky, spiky, painful part of head and heart work. And we know it mm. can be really intimidating when you feel like you're, that you could be alone or that it, when we're dealing with issues of loneliness and compatibility and friendship, we know how painful this is. So please know that you are loved, that you mm. aren't too much, that you are worth the time. You are worth the time both for your friends to take to, to know you and for you to be known wholly, to tell yourself wholly, you know, to, mm -hmm. to, to speak your truth and not to fold it up into like a passive test, text message or, or, or into a nicety of, of something else. You, mm -hmm. you are worthy of all of this. And Sam and I love you very much. Absolutely. You are worthy of taking up space in your relationships. You are worthy of having your love and appreciation reciprocated, but you have to ask for it and yeah. you have to ask for it in ways that Directly. people are going to hear it. Yep. Absolutely. All right, my darling, Junie, thank you so much for writing. We love you so much. We hope this helps. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Confused AF, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from just outside of Dallas. Hey, Sam and Sierra, I've been listening to y'all's podcast for a while, and I'm a big fan. Here's my situation. Me, female, 26, and my girlfriend, female, 30. Uh, we have known each other for seven years. We were friends for two years and were attached at the hip for our whole friendship before we started hooking up in 2017. Now, four years later, we've actually we've been dating off and on and now consider ourselves to be in a committed relationship. But here's the thing. A lot of that actual relationship time was spent in the closet. And a lot of that time was spent in and out of conversion therapy for mm. both of us. She was actually working for a religious organization that she had to quit because of her attraction to a girl. And she actually had a bunch of friends who really encouraged the conversion therapy thinking 
They even formed a prayer group to pray about Sammy being gay and quitting her relationship with me. 2021, she still keeps up with some of these friends who she is totally in the closet around. Our town is sort of small and we almost don't go anywhere without her being terrified of running into one of these friends while out with me. She's asked me to help her frantically pick out outfits to go out with these friends, for me to help clean up her apartment for them, even decorate it to impress them. I normally do it without a second thought, wanting her to be happy and to have people, and I know that her coming out doesn't have anything to actually do with me, but it's starting to feel like too long of a wait to be able to move on with her and be fully out and happy. We've had a lot of conversations about coming out, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, but even then, she's expressed that she's very afraid of what the people in her life would think. On my side of things, I'm out to the people in my life and we spend most of our time with our with my friends. It's been a slow buildup of thoughts and honestly resentment. I love this person and she's making little bits of progress coming out here and there. But also on the flip side, flip side she sometimes has breakdowns and ghosts me, saying she doesn't want to be with a girl. And then a few days later, tearfully and apologetically asks for me back, mm. often posting something about me on social media to prove that she really does want to come out. But the pattern always repeats itself, and it is happening again right now. Anytime I see one of my friends get engaged, I have this huge lump in my throat. I want to be able to get engaged and move in together really badly. She's even the one who leads all of the engagement conversations. But other, time, other times, she has told me that she never wants to come out, which is alarming and upsetting. I really care about this person and want to be with her. And I don't know how to break up with someone I know I would really miss and be sad over. Should we just break up? Is an ultimatum unhealthy in the situation? Am I just Twitter-pated dummy and it's super obvious that we should have broken up months ago? Thanks. Sending love from Dallas. Confused. Oh, confused. I am so glad you wrote in. I'm so sorry to hear about this heavy heaviness on your heart. Um, mm -hmm. What a painful, painful situation to be in. And one that reminds me of what a gift it is to to love out loud. What a privilege is the word I meant to say. Um, what a mm -hmm. privilege it is to feel safe to love, um, to to feel safe to be uh, authentic. Um, something that all of our listeners um, should should be grateful for um, if they can experience that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just maybe want to start by saying, like, you're not a fool. You're not a Twitter, Twitter-pated, like, love dummy, <laughs> which will be my new, <laughs> like, Tinder bio. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> Twitter-pated love dummy. Um, this, is, this is what the heart asks of us, um, unfortunately, at times, whether painful or unjust or... Um, unfair. Uh, you're in a situation that no one should have to be in, um, mm. but you're not a bad person or you're not stupid for being in this situation. I, I, and, I, and I guess I want to say, like, I don't see a clear right or wrong answer. You're not like missing the answer right out in front of you. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I love that you said that thing about how you shouldn't have to be in this situation. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that we have to deal with when we are coming up against this type of um, oppression and this type of prejudice and outright bigotry is that we have to go through like a grieving process that we yeah. don't live in a world where we get to make 
uh, decisions that are authentically in our own best interest, that there are these systems of power in place that are outside of our control in so many different ways, like outside of our individual control in so many ways, right. and yet have these really awful lasting effects on the our lives and the people that we love. And, and it just is such a hard thing to realize that like, but for this awfulness that exists in our society, our relationship would be flourishing, right? Mm. Like, and recognizing that there's like so little we can actually do about that, that we have to sort of go through this point or all of these different understandings of grief in order to get to a point where we can say like, yep, I'm going to stop throwing my body against the reality of bigotry and recognize that like that is the context in which my relationship exists. And so I have to make decisions based on that context, even though it fucking sucks that that context exists. Right. And it sucks. It sucks that your that your partner feels like she has to be in the closet. It sucks that she has these friends, quote unquote friends, who are urging her to go to conversion I know, that was therapy. A bold word choice. <laughs> yeah, right. And who are pushing her to not be in a relationship with you so much so that she is literally questioning whether or not she wants to be with a woman, right? Like right. I, it fucking sucks that that is the context that your relationship exists in. And at the same time, that is the context. And there's very little that we can do individually to change that context. And there's so little control that we have over some of those things that it's just so challenging. So I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you have to deal with a what could be or could have been a really amazing relationship, but for the fact that people are assholes and hate gay people. Like, <laughs> that's... Like, that's all that I can say about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that those bigots exist. And I really wish that they existed because I don't want them to die, but that they had different values. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, this is just such a perfect slice. Um, what is it in the microscope? Like a sample slice? What's the word I'm looking yeah. for? Come I don't on. know. I don't know it either. <laughs> somebody will dm it to me <laughs> cross-section yeah sure yeah cross microcosm yeah whatever um <laughs> I, do, I don't actually think i know the word i just was like hoping it would yeah. come to me miraculously um it is mm -hmm. it, this is how about this this is a perfect and painful example of how we internalize the stories that we're told told about ourselves the stories that we're told mm. about our bodies about our desires mm about our worth um, and how you, when you grow up, it is so challenging. It is, I mean, I feel for both of you equally in this situation, mm -hmm. both you and your partner confused because it, it literally hurts my body to think about um, denying your girlfriend struggling so hard, d you know, denying, herself so so much you know this is like mm -hmm. that hot and cold thing that that she does to you where she'll ghost you and come back like it might not seem like it on the surface but that's a form of like self-harm i feel like um mm -hmm. this retraction and and coming back to yourself um and then and then there's you my darling my 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 love hope-filled thing that is 
uh, that warm, safe, authentic space for her to be. And it is such a magical place. You're, you are such a magical thing. The act of being that warm space for someone to return and be their most truest self in is such a beautiful gift. And it's also hard. It's also painful. We can't always mm. be what saves our partners. We can't always be what they turn to, 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 to turn it all off. We need to ask our partners to engage with us sometimes. And you're mm -hmm. right. This isn't about you. Her not being able to come out yet or, or her having this, this, this pain, this struggle isn't about you, but it does have consequences in your life, right? So there's this weird line that you're walking where you, where you want to be upset, but you, you don't feel like you can. You want to make her have accountability, but you don't want to force her to come out. You you yeah. want her to change, but and you don't want to lose the relationship. So you're in this impossible land. And I just, mm -hmm. I feel for you so much. Like, I fucking, fuck if I know what to do, man. Like, I, <laughs> it's just, it just sucks. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those situations where it feels like there's no, right or even good choices in this yeah. it's sort of like say in this relationship where you are feeling this level of being unseen of you feel like a secret um and you're going through these like stages of of breakup and coming back together um or sort of give in to the bigots <laughs> right yeah. like right well and i don't that's, know if it's think... that <laughs> let me push let me, I like i know you said that like flippantly but like let me push yeah. on it for the sake of the podcast because like in this situation, we have to make space for boundaries and accountability within the impossibility of bigotry and shame, right? Right. Yep. And I know that that is such a tall order. And I know you, I know you know that. I know you didn't mean that. Um, no, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah. And that is such a tall, impossible order for you, confused. But that is the order that you're up against is that, you know, this decorating the apartment, helping her pick out outfits, you can lovingly and respectfully say no to that. Say this, yep. hurt, these friendships, I'm glad that you have people, but these friendships hurt me and they kind of hurt you, but I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you can say these friendships hurt me or better yet, I for my own well-being, it does it doesn't feel great to to help you participate in the friendships that hide me. I love you and I'm going to support you, but I'm not going to participate in that way. That's a boundary right mm -hmm. there, right? You yep. know, I unfortunately, if you feel like changing the relationship isn't possible, you are the one that changes then. Um Yeah. And I, I'm not saying give up hope and I'm not saying don't be patient. Like you definitely should credit these baby steps, but I, I want to take care of you in this letter response. And I, and I, I want to make sure that you are, I don't know, it, I, that, that safe place that I was describing earlier that you're being for your partner. It's really, really easy to, to lose yourself in that. That's, mm -hmm. that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, absolutely. And in this situation where it feels like there are so few good options, um, that any option that you pick is okay, right? Like it's okay for you to break up with Sammy 
because she can't come out of the closet, right? You deserve somebody who's not going to treat you like a secret. You deserve to not have to do this emotional labor so that she can keep you in the closet, right? You don't, you deserve to not have somebody break up with you multiple times because they just think they can't be with you because of your gender, right? It's okay. So that's okay. It's okay for you to stay in this relationship and put up boundaries, exactly like Sierra said, where like, I'm not going to help you maintain these friendships. Like, it's not important. Like, it is hurting me and it's hurting you. So I'm not going to participate in that. It's okay for you to also put up the boundary and say, like, you can't break up with me and then and then try and win me back. Like, that's not an acceptable behavior in this relationship. Or we can't talk about engagement unless there's actual progress towards it unless we are making plans about what engagement's going to look like for us like those are all boundaries that you can put up in this relationship they're going to make the relationship more complicated and and you might find that there's some underlying incompatibilities there because of these boundaries and that is also okay you might also discover like okay these are the boundaries that we needed in this relationship and great we are moving forward like this was the impetus that it needed to sort of move forward or this was the catalyst that needed to happen and it's also okay for you to stay in this relationship that in the way that things are status quo right it is up to you to decide which of these (laughs) challenging unfair let's just say unfair stupid choices that you have to make in the situation because of the realities of the 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 bigoted society that we live in and I'm sorry that you have to make one of those choices, but know that like any of those choices is going to be okay. Yeah. I would say it from my own self. I don't know that I could be in a situation where someone continues to break up with me and then want me back. Like, That's what you I know was me, just friends. Thinking. Like, <laughs> this is like, you know that once we're broken up, I'm like, Mm-mm, this is done. Like, it is immediately shut off. And that would just be the cha- most challenging thing for me is just that perpetual cycle of, of, not knowing and that perpetual cycle of like, we're talking about engagement in one minute and then you're breaking up with me in the next minute. Like that's not sustainable for me. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Well, I think it's a perfect opportunity to invite empathy and accountability into the relationship and accountability Mm -hmm. doesn't need to be coming out today. Right. But accountability does mean having more of a active and acute respect for your humanity confused mm. for for your bandwidth for doing this you know mm-hmm. i it like i said i feel for you both equally so i'm not villainizing her in this but it is I, if you were an out couple and you told me that she repeatedly waffled on these things and would break up with you and ghost you and then come back and apologize and inch back into your trust, I would tell you that's very unhealthy, right? That's very Mm -hmm. unstable. We know that there are other factors in play. There's other toxicity seeping in from homophobia and bigotry, right? Um, But there has to be, there has to be space for accountability within all of the empathy that you're showing her, and I don't know what mm-hmm. that looks like. Well, no, I do know what that looks like. It, it's it's starting to have a little bit harder conversations by, you know, saying like, I can't do this forever. I don't deserve to be ghosted for this amount of time. That's unhealthy, even if we were out, right? That mm. That is what, you know... What I what I want you to do, confused, is have a, a hard 
and honest conversation with your partner and and both of you participate in what are the true respectful and sustainable ground rules of your partnership, right? Maybe the ground rule isn't being out right now, but the ground rule is respectful and continual communication or we're not a couple, right? Um, there, It is okay to have expectations from your partner even when they can't give you everything that you need right now. Um, mm-hmm. I know this sucks. Like, this fucking sucks. And it, it sucks for both of you, but that doesn't mean... Like you're not in a ch- in a in a stalemate. You're not in a game of chicken of like this sucks for both of us. You know, you both can take actions to alleviate this mm-hmm. slow, intentional actions that are scary. I know it's it's scary for both of you, um, but but the fear is 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 solidifying you both in a situation that you both don't want to be in. That's a situation mm-hmm. that isn't sustainable. It can't go on like this forever, and both of you know it. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, just remembering that accountability doesn't negate empathy. Yes. Right? They exist at the same time, and we can say, I totally understand what you're going through, and I can totally understand why you're doing this, and I empathize deeply with you, and I don't deserve to have these things enacted on me. I right. don't deserve the punishment that you are giving me because of the pain that you're in. Yeah. And it we are taught that that accountability means that we're not being kind, but accountability is kindness to yourself and to this person because the way that they're that they are exercising that pain isn't serving them well either. I'm sure that your girlfriend, Sammy, does not want to be doing this stuff. Right. And because she's just allowed to do it without any sort of accountability. There is no impetus. There is no catalyst for any sort of change in this. It is just the way that it's going to keep coming out unless something changes. So I feel it. Like, (laughs) I feel like every time we talk about like empathy and accountability at the same time, I feel like such a dick, but it is, it's real. And you don't deserve to be, you don't deserve to be the recipient of the pain that she's feeling. You haven't done it. You haven't done it to her. This is not your punishment to take. And if anybody's out there who are, that you're listening and you're maybe not out and you're in a relationship or you're closeted or whatever, this do don't take this as a reason for why you deserve to be alone or why you, you know, you Mm. hurting someone is why you should leave them or, you know, I don't want you to hear this if you're in the closet or you're not out for in a relationship and and take it as um, a call to punish yourself because you're hurting someone mm. else. No, this is a call to that you deserve to be wholly known and seen and loved for exactly who you are. And if the people Absolutely. around you are not capable of doing that, those people are not deserved of being in your life. Is that hmm? grammatically correct? <laughs> yeah, love it. <laughs> those people don't don't deserve your authenticity, your, your magic. And there's people out there like Sam and I who love your complicated queer ass self Mm -hmm. as is right now. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to punish anyone for doing, for not being out. Right. But we do want to have accountability for some of the things that you're going through and the situation confused, right? Like, I don't think that Sammy needs to like the same time. Multiple things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think that she that Sammy needs to be punished. I don't think she needs to have bad things happen to her. But I do think that that you and her need to take some stock of what's happening in this relationship and whether or not the pain that you are both experiencing is is justified. And that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like I wish that I could tell you something different. Um, but but I really can't. Yeah. I'm confused. We love you. Everyone else in the fucking world, we love you. And um, <laughs> we know it's hard. And we hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. All right, everyone. This brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and hook you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we are going to set you up with... Ted Lasso. Okay, so last or two weeks ago, Sam shouted out like a 10-year-old show. And I know Ted Lasso (laughs) is not 10 years old, but it's definitely like not a new show. Well, within the last couple of years. Um, And but I I was totally late, missed a train, caught another train. And now I'm in Ted Lasso land and I love it. Uh, It's Uh on Apple TV, which I didn't have. I signed up to watch Ted Lasso on Spencer's recommendation. um, And... It's it was like four ninety nine a month or something, so worth it. I'm gonna cancel it after Ted Lasso though. <laughs> um, sure. TV show starring Jason Sudeikis, uh, and it's charming and feel good and funny, and um, I just think it's it it's the best way I can endorse it is by saying two things. One, whenever you think it's gonna be like a typical sitcom storyline it does something just a little bit smarter a little bit more thoughtful a little bit more Mm. inclusive like it it's just smarter than it looks is all i'm gonna say and then the the last thing i'll say to endorse it is it makes me feel good about humanity when i watch it it's a feel-good show Uh, i fucking love love it (laughs) yeah i like look forward to it every night oh great thanks what a great recommendation (laughs) i really fucking love it i'm obsessed with it spencer was like you're gonna love this and i do (laughs) <laughs> no, everyone's everyone has been telling us to watch it. So this yeah. is another impetus for us yeah. to do that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find us, uh, find our merchandise. Also, follow us on TikTok. We've got like 100 followers. I haven't posted anything yet. I'll do it this week. (laughs) Uh, Please remember to subscribe or follow and leave us a five-star rating or review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, managing, good friending by our buddy Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify under the name Big Cats. And remember, we have all lost ourselves in others before. Whether it was our bodies or a stupid tattoo or our friendships, we've put things on the line in the name of love and connection things that we maybe don't feel connected to anymore or maybe feel like we're a betrayal of ourselves. That's okay 
this is a part of human life. This is a part of connection, trying and failing or making mistakes. We have all done this. Losing yourself doesn't make you any less of yourself. And if all else fails, just break up.